Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival and Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. Nicely done. I'm your host, John Brooks. With me, as always, is co-host Kevin Miller. Kevin, how you how doing? are you today? I'm good. Thank you for asking. We just had a feast, didn't we? We did. A surf. A, and feast, a feast of waves and then a feast of mama's cooking. Yeah, your, uh, your wonderful mom you know, donated leftovers to the cause. Yeah, it was, man, it was good. Generous woman. I love. I like her email address, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I won't. I won't say it right now. But your, John's mom email. It's so her cute. Her email address is it's, the cutest it's email. Almost as cute as she is. All five feet of her. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So uh, speaking just, of cute, how cute is Ben Wiley? He's the cutest <laughs> filmmaker. If ever. I had to be nuts to butts in a tent <laughs> with somebody in the freezing cold, it would be Sir Ben Wyland. Come on. Yeah, dude, the guy's a legend. He's he's quite possibly. This the most professional and sweet and nice guy that we've yeah. ever interacted with. I know it's it's rare that somebody joins the podcast meeting on time. <laughs> yeah. I know this. He was on it right on time, and it was like, all right, exactly what I would expect for uh, for Mister Ben. And then I don't know, man. It, it just seems like every so often the uh, the forces of good collide to generate what. Uh, we set out to demonstrate to everybody, which is first class uh, people, yeah. uh, as far as keeping their promise, showing up when they say they're going to show up, professional, um, equipped, coming equipped, all that, 
plus extremely talented. Yeah. Uh, weather to, you know, willing to weather extremely cold climates uh, so I don't have to. Exactly. I get stoked about surfing because I probably don't think, I don't think I'd be, you know. <laughs> you definitely wouldn't be stoked. No, exactly. Come on. <laughs> let's be honest. All right. Anyway. Um, no, ben definitely fulfills the adage of good things happening to good people. Um, he, he is a good guy and uh, things have worked out quite well for him uh, on the filmmaking front and it's just it, we're all blessed as a result that he gets to share his creativity with us, yeah, coupled with a lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I was going to add to that is uh, uh, having a full time job and also building a completely separate career is um, you know built out of passion though, so it, it does help when you really like you know what you're doing, which is you know Ben all the way. Absolutely. So enjoy this podcast. Uh, I will say not a lot to add because Ben covers it all. And, uh, you know, some of his, his greatest hits are addressed in this, um, in this interview. But if you need to find something right now, you want to go out and watch something right now, um, I would recommend the Rourke's, Rourke's uh, presentation called uh, Arc of Alusia. And I believe Island X is soon to come, right? I believe Island X will be available very soon. If it's not already. So anyway, enjoy the interview, right? Nice, yeah. And just, just to give uh, some of our listeners that maybe don't know the full background on you, um, we'll just give dive into a little bit of background. You, you kind of started your whole thing um, with a blog that you had called Arctic Surf, and uh, which was funny because it was based in Southern California <laughs> from, from hot from your bedroom in Carl. Was it Carlsbad or? Yeah, Carlsbad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it honestly started as a, a joke for me. Like I, I first, I'm trying to think back, but there was a surf surfing magazine had a, a contest the google earth challenge yeah and um i believe that was evan slater put that yeah. on and uh i saw that and all the submissions were like warm water surf spots but it got me fired up to look on google earth and explore around and i started seeing all these places in alaska and iceland and norway and it just got me thinking like whoa what if some of the best waves in the world are actually in the coldest, most miserable places on the planet. <laughs> People just haven't really looked there, you know, like could those waves be hiding there, but they've just been overlooked. Yeah. And so I kind of went down that rabbit hole and found Google earth to be extremely addicting because I would mm -hmm. find crazy setups from like satellite images that look like point breaks or reef breaks. And I just graduated college and was working for my uncle's door and window business locally here, just doing his website and helping with some marketing and instructional manuals and driving trucks to drop off aluminum parts up in LA. Um, <laughs> nice. That's and, the internship for becoming a successful filmmaker, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, my roommate saw all these images that I was finding on Google earth and was like, Hey man, you should start a blog and like, post these I'm like man I don't have enough material to keep a blog going like you have to have a steady stream of content to keep this up and I have like 10 shots of waves in the arctic like <laughs> yeah. that's not enough but I had uh 
I'd studied graphic design in college. And so I got kind of psyched to design like an identity around the idea of exploring in these places. And I created this logo for Arctic Surf and ended up building out this like basic website and did post like five or six things. And I kind of kept that up for a few months and I got an email from Chris Burkhard, like completely out of the blue. And I knew that he was the staff photographer at Surfer Magazine at the time and was really respected his work and was kind of starstruck when that email came in. And he's like, hey, I've seen your blog. Do you want to plan some trips to these places that you're finding? And uh, I thought it was my roommate playing a joke on me because he had (laughs) encouraged me to start the blog. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to like feed into this prank. Like I'm just going to play it (laughs) super cool. And I was like, yeah, um, if I have time, like, let me see if I have time to like chat, you know, (laughs) and then it turned out to be real. Like we jumped on a call and he's asking me about all these places that I know nothing about except for just Google image searches and that kind of thing. (laughs) And, but for some reason he was like, just felt like I was knowledgeable about all this. So he's like, well, let's put a trip together um, and pitch it to the magazine. So I had studied abroad in the South Island of New Zealand and spent about six months down there. And we had explored for waves down there on our own, like my buddies and I. And so um, I put together a pitch for a surf trip to the South Island and the magazine took it. And so, uh, yeah, that's how I got started doing that. I came on as a writer initially. Um, okay. And Pete DeVries was on that trip and he was filming for his intersection part back then and had a camcorder with him and he was like hey do you mind like getting a couple clips of me surfing Mm. and like as a writer you're not really contributing a whole lot to the trip you're just kind of cruising along with the crew so I was like sure yeah I'll I'll film some stuff and and I sent it to the magazine and they paid me like 200 bucks for three edits from the trip and I was like whoa you can make money doing this that's crazy too (laughs) so yeah that kind of like sparked the the idea and then so after that chris and i would plan trips together twice every year and i'd hey ben yeah how did how does that work from like the first trip uh they say they they gave you the go basically they're going to pay for your travel i don't know if everybody knows this or not but i'm a cpa uh and uh (laughs) we gotta uh, we gotta fit that into every podcast the fact that kevin's an accountant (laughs) I just want to know, like in the old days, because those are the old days. It just doesn't yeah. happen like that anymore. So yeah. did they say, all right, Ben, here's a thousand bucks for writing it. And also we're going to pay for all your travel. But I know you just said you got 200 bucks for a couple of clips. Was that like in addition to what you were expected to be paid? Or how did that whole, yeah. what's that budget look like from Surfer? I mean, yeah. yeah go, so I don't think it was super clear at the time. Um <laughs> And I was basically told like whatever I spend on travel would be reimbursed and I would be paid something for the writing. Um, And I didn't know exactly what that would be yet because like if you go on a trip like that and you don't get waves then the article is not going to run at all. And so so you don't really know. I didn't know what I was getting myself into or at least I didn't know what to like ask from the magazine. I just was, I was just so stoked to even have the opportunity to travel with this crew of guys and experience that it felt like a crazy opportunity and privilege and so it felt like a once in a lifetime 
thing. Like I had just won the jackpot and I was going on this trip. And so I didn't ask a lot of questions and we did get good waves. And so then they did pay me for however many words the article was and however many pages we got in the magazine. And then the video is just bonus on top of that. Gotcha. So, so there's like 50 cents a word sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the costs were just paid up front. Like I just put that in and it was like that the entire time that I was doing work with the magazine, it was always like putting my own money into these projects and basically whatever I got paid for the words or the videos afterwards, I would just roll that forward into the next project and upgrade my camera gear or upgrade the post-production on the next film and, and kind of try to keep everything rolling forward and snowballing and, and just trying to grow what I did every time. And because I had my full-time job, I wasn't like financially relying on this to be like my bread and butter. And right. so I could just kind of pursue the creativity of it. Um, so that was really cool too. And having a full-time job and disappearing for three weeks to New Zealand was okay. You weren't married, didn't have any kids or anything. It's obviously yeah. like, you know, single man dream set up. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those were always like, it's pretty wild that, you know, that Chris reached out to you out of the blue, but those are always like what, I don't know, at least I did when I was, you know, 24 or 25 working away. Um, what I was like dreaming of, like, I, I would love, to, I would have loved to do that. And, uh, Kevin's still put... waiting for the email from Burkhardt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a writer. I, I, I can write. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah. Chris, Chris, if you're listening to this, um, you know, I, I am married. I do have five kids. It'll be very restrictive on travel. So Kevin no, I'm just at kidding. FloridaSurfFilmFestival.com. <laughs> no, this is crazy. I, I would not consider myself a writer at all. And, you know, in my mind, all this seemed like really prestigious, but the, the barriers for entry also were like mysteriously low. Like right. we were just on a call with the editor of the magazine. He's like, well, who's going to write this piece? And on that call, I was like, I'll write it, you know? And he's like, all right, cool. You're on. And I had like zero professional writing experience. Like I hadn't written anything since a high school essay. Nice. So, um, yeah. The whole process was like very mysterious. So yeah, definitely a different time for sure. That was part of the beauty of the surf industry back then though, is that you just, you just wing it. Yeah. You just wing it and do it. And like so much good stuff came out of that, but you kind of went on a little run there with Burkhardt after that. Like you guys worked on a, quite a few projects together, um, spanning how how long was that time period? You know, with yeah. working with Chris. Gosh, I think maybe six or seven years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, we'd try to do one or two trips every year, and um, you know that took us to Norway, to the Faroe Islands, to Iceland multiple times, and to Russia. Um, so yeah, I mean, we just had a string of places that we were both really excited to check out and the magazine was always really excited to hear the pitches and, and fortunately we seem to get waves every time. Um, but even if we didn't, you know, the stories of just going to these obscure places were pretty interesting too. And the fact that you could surf in Russia just seemed really strange. Yeah. So 
even small waves in Russia was worthy of a story, I guess. So yeah, we, we showed that, uh, we showed that movie in our first festival in 2013. Wow. And we crazy. had, yeah, we had, uh, some great shots from it. Um, I remember on the first t-shirt we did too, there was one of the helicopter, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that, you, that you guys had. Oh my God. What a, how trippy was that place? Oh man, that place is so trippy. I'd love to go back. Um, that helicopter actually is kind of a funny story because we're on, we're on this peninsula in Russia and Chris had some kind of a sat phone connection with Patagonia and they were like part of the whole social media broadcasting of this trip. And they had like given money towards the trip and we're, we literally had this conversation in a tent on the beach um, trying to figure out what to do with the money that Patagonia sent. <laughs> we're like, hey, we could either uh, just keep this, you know, as like our income, or we could just get a helicopter and check out a remote bay like far north that I had seen on Google Earth that looked like a crazy setup. And in that moment, we decided like, hey, let's just get the heli and like go check it out. And so it was like, I think it was like a $10,000 helicopter ride. And we ended up splitting it with a German uh, film crew that was filming a documentary up there. And so we split the cost and they dropped us off at this remote beach. And then the, the Germans went on to film a volcano or something like that. And so we were on this beach for like two or three hours and the waves were ankle high um, and nobody surfed, but we just saw the potential of this river mouth and it was beautiful and cool. Um, but in hindsight, it's weird because I feel like I'm glad that we did that, you know, because that was such a big part of the story. And even though we didn't get waves there, it was like, wow, that was really cool to just explore that entire coast and see the potential of that place. So, yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of these trips are like that. You know, you're just kind of like taking the risk and seeing seeing what you might find. And it doesn't always work out, but that's OK. Like to me, it's always been more about the story and the adventure of it. Yeah, I thought somebody did surf there, though. Was it? Well, they went back. So Dane, I, did Dane go with Cyrus you? Cyrus went back. It was Cyrus. Cyrus yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I remember seeing way, seeing clips of Cyrus longboarding at that river mouth. But that was a different trip. They went back. Yeah, they went back. And like when we were there, it was super sunny and beautiful. And it's like this pristine bay. And there's salmon coming up the river and waterfalls dumping into the ocean on these mountains that kind of surround the whole bay. Um and it just felt like this idyllic place. And then when yeah. Cyrus went back there, it was like cold and overcast and miserable. And there's these like Russian poachers who had set up camp there that were like super <laughs> sketchy, that had guns. Wow. And I think they kind of got waves, but it was, you know. It was still small. Yeah, it was like waist of rib high at best. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's another thing is like you see these setups and I don't know, I'm very idealistic and I just imagine what, could happen at a setup yeah. like that and just think of like the best day of the year but the yeah. reality is like it may never get like that or it's just impossible to time it perfectly and so i think that's part of the addiction of it is like always searching further and and hoping that you know you time it right um yeah i mean i i would think with with cold water travel you know where the extreme parts of the globe that you guys are going to it's so much more volatile the weather and so like the windows are so much smaller uh in terms of like the opportunity for good surf um yeah. you know 
Whereas, you know, in a lot of other parts of the world, it's like you see a swell coming and you can see, oh, we might have three or four days of like ideal conditions. And there it's more like three or four hours of ideal conditions. So that's that's got to present challenges like when you're trying to document it in a film. Yeah, that's super I challenging. And then the other component is just access to the coast because even yeah. in a place like New Zealand, you can drive around and get to a lot of the beaches there. Um, but when you're in Alaska or, or Russia, like just getting to a place where there's a setup is really challenging or expensive. And so not only are you, are you trying to time it with weather, but you're also having to figure out the logistics of getting there. And so yeah. that that's the risk of it, you know? Um, so it doesn't always work out, but yeah. Yeah. So then you go through that like six or seven year period with Berkey and you guys are churning out some amazing content, some award-winning films, um, you know, articles and stuff for the magazine. And then during that whole time, are you still doing the door and window company? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I did that for a long time. And then eventually there was like, a downturn where they had to let some people go and i was the first to go because what? Was it was like, your uncle wasn't it yeah but i was like the <laughs> the media guy like doing photos and website and stuff and they had to uh, like really pare it down yeah and so that kind of gave me the shove out the door that i i guess i needed because i never would have pursued like a freelance lifestyle at all like that was definitely not up my alley but it kind of forced me into it and then at that point, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to pursue doing filming and, and illustrating and more of the creative side of things. So, um, but it still was like mainly adventure films and surf films that I was working on because I, I up to that point, I had only done that kind of stuff. So that's like the work I started to get from various brands in the industry. And so I was still doing the same kind of work but now it was just for brands and they're paying me to do it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you had a pretty good resume. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, it was still a lot of that work was coming through Chris and we were working on projects together. So, but then it would be like brand campaigns and, and all that, but it was more geared around storytelling and adventure. Gotcha. And so, yeah, it was really cool. Like, because I spent so much time doing that on the side, I've basically built a portfolio of just doing that kind of stuff. And so then I just started getting hired to do that kind of stuff, which I never would have imagined could be a real job. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty trippy. It, I still pinch myself wondering how all this came together. And how long ago was that? When, when, when did you get pushed out the door at the door and window place? Um, Probably like seven years ago. Wow. So, yeah. So it's been a while. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, and now I'm doing a lot more uh, production, video production style films, but but I would say like 80% of it all has to do with like adventure or surf travel kind of stuff. Nice. And is it um, like you have you have your own company, I'm assuming? Yeah. So um, I just started this about two years ago with my buddy, Brian Davis. We have a production company called Fielder Films, and it's essentially all the projects, projects that we collaborate on. Um, and it's kind of just like our creative brainchild of how we want to make films and, and our creative direction. And Island X is kind of an experimental project within that, where we want to see 
kind of just what it takes to make a film like this and and how it performs and what works what doesn't work and how we can just produce original content from our production company and just have ownership of all of it like creative control all that so nice well yeah. I, I mean i would say it worked yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i'm still it's it's a trip i mean we're still kind of taking notes and seeing how it does but like the touring has been really cool the festivals have been really amazing and the response has been unreal so it's yeah it's just really cool to be a part of something where community comes out for something and enjoys that story together and gets inspired and i think for me that's that's the most special part about it to be able to share it in person and like most of the work i've done in the past has been films that i've released online um mm. but i feel like getting to show a film in person is like the best you know that's yeah. what I'm and so you you did kind of a full like tour with Island X, correct? Yeah, so we've done about 16 stops now. Nice. One of which was with you guys in Florida. Um and that that's just blown my mind like so many people have come out for it and I think maybe the timing has been really good too, but people are just so excited to come out for a film event and participate in that. So um, yeah, all the events have done really well and it's really crazy to go to all these different little surf communities and see the different personalities of each community and, and how they respond and get yeah. to meet people all over the place. So it's cool. I like just meeting all the people in these places that put these events on is, is really rad. Like we just finished an event up in Port Angeles and the crowd was so stoked and they're like, man, nobody ever comes up here to show these films. And it's so rad to have you guys here. And so, yeah, it's, it's just really special and it's a bit of an adventure too, to get to get on the road and do that. That's cool. And I mean, that's one of the big benefits I feel like for Kevin and I, um, and also for the fans at the festival, but um, Kevin and I get even more access is that we're, we're getting filmmakers such as yourself and surfers to come to Florida. And that's been a challenge in the past. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's, the same response from our community is, you know, gosh, we can't believe these guys, you know, fly from California and Australia and Japan, and they they come to little New Smyrna Beach, Florida, to show their films, and it, yeah, it's, people get so excited about that. And so, just from our perspective, just want to let you know, like that meet that's so meaningful to people, and so we we so appreciate you, you know, taking the time to make the journey over. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it, it kind of started when I was a kid and uh, my grandpa was kind of a mountaineer climber who would traveled the world um, climbing in the Himalayas and the Andes. And that was his hobby. And he would take wow. photos. And at Christmas time, we'd go up to Montana to visit and he would do a slideshow in his basement and all the cousins would come down and he'd show slides and tell stories from his trips. Wow. And that was like the coolest most creative thing for me as a kid just to like gather around and hear those stories and so when we do these events I kind of draw inspiration from those memories of getting inspired by his stories and sharing those and there's nothing that can really replace that I mean like you can watch these films at home by yourself and that's cool too but to be like huddled together like shoulder to shoulder with other people who are stoked and getting inspired too that's that's what I get excited about yeah so this is genetic like you didn't have a choice yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> you were gonna be an adventure guy no matter what <laughs> yeah i mean yeah so 
I don't know. I, I just think it's super sweet. And like to have the opportunity to come out is really cool. And I think it really goes both ways, but that's right. I draw a lot of my inspiration from is those memories. Very cool. That's good stuff. So are you, uh, I guess a cold water or cold weather person then it's, it seems like you've got certain people that are like, oh, I just gotta be in the warm weather. It seems like you got no problem with wool, long underwear, six layers and <laughs> whatever it is. I mean, what is the coldest you've ever been in this, in this, uh, in these situations where you're just like, I think I might pass out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dane Godowskis hit me up a couple of years ago to do a trip up to the great lakes, up to Lake Superior. And that's by far the coldest experience I've had surfing. Um, and it was so trippy cause you're in fresh water and the, the water's literally freezing to your wetsuit and to your head. And, um, it was, yeah, it was just crazy. And I remember like Dane had this beard and his whole thing is like, I want to get an ice beard, you know? And so like, I don't know, I guess in my imagination, I just figured like the ice freezes to your beard and then it just breaks off. But really like when your hair is frozen like that, it's just a solid clump of ice that like is immovable. And so he had to spend like 30 minutes over the heater in the van, just like melting that thing <laughs> onto the seat of the van to get it off. And it was like, pretty weird and freaky at the at the time we're like what's <laughs> happening right now like you're freezing cold but you have this block of ice attached to your face um so that was like the coldest thing I've ever experienced personally but yeah I just love it like it's so cool to be in the elements and to experience it and a lot of times those places come with like epic mountain landscapes and mm -hmm. just being in those environments is really rad and I mean, I love warm water more than anything. <laughs> like, don't yeah, get me wrong. I noticed I was, after I all say. these films, you still go back to Southern California I to do, live. I, <laughs> I, I love that. Um, but I think just having both in life is really sweet to have that balance. Yeah. It's, it's just a completely different feeling and experience when you're in the cold. And it's like a very visceral feeling. And so I, I love that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what about food in some of these places? Have you eaten some pretty uh, yeah interesting things out there? Yeah, uh, I did a trip with Chris to the Faroe Islands for the magazine like back in the day. And when we got there, it was like mid-October, which just so happened to be the perfect season for this like fermented sheep's meat that they create. And it's like a delicacy, but basically what they do is they have these sheds like on their farm and the windows are open and they hang these strips of meat just in the open air and the the cold weather cures the meat but then it starts to grow a layer of mold around the outside and that mold encases the meat so it ferments on the inside so you're eating like this fermented meat and we went over to a farmer's house and he's like hey try this meat this is like the best thing we have you know, and, did you wait? Did you get a look at it before he cut it up, or did he blind? Yeah, well, he just had these like blocks of meat hanging from hooks in the shed, and they're kind of like greenish purple from the mold. And it was me and my buddy Preston um, went over there, and the guy like cut a few slices and gave it to us. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll try this." And it was we're talking about before you say this you cut the green and purple off right and you ate the meat. no 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 you're, it's part of it it's like the crust of it 
It's like the <laughs> it's like the seasoning on on tri tip. It's just mold. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we tried these pieces, and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever had. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but Preston, my buddy, was like, "Hey, we gotta go," and so we just kind of like rudely, awkwardly left, and Preston threw up on the side of the road, like right there behind a yeah. bush so that the farmer wouldn't see him yeah. and then i like went home and immediately brushed my teeth because it was just so nasty and this is like the thing that they cherish for like their christmas dinner or whatever <laughs> like, oh my oh, gosh they look forward to it having it all year you know so um i would think you could get actually sick yeah from that like i i think the fermentation like somehow cures it so there's no bacteria in it i don't know how it works but wow it's a trip. yeah so yeah, hard pass for me. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's been like some seal meat in Alaska. Some did I you fi- did you film yourself eating the meat though? I mean, that would have been good footage, right? Yeah, in retrospect, it would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> so many moments like that that I think back on. So um yeah, that trip to the pharaohs was crazy though. I mean, their culture is so wild and medieval in a lot of ways and I'd love to go back there, but yeah, that was definitely a crazy memory. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I mean, you've already given us some gems, but uh, as we said before, the name of the podcast is Surf Stories. And so we we always have to ply our guest for a story or two. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, geez, we probably could talk to you for an hour about just crazy stuff that has happened. But um, do you have any any gems that stick out in your mind? Um, you know, maybe the, the funniest thing that ever happened or the scariest thing that ever happened um, yeah. on some of these trips? Yeah, I think one of the most satisfying things that's kind of like a full circle story is that when I started that blog right after college, um, one of the first things I had posted was a picture of a point break up in the Aleutian Islands. And I'd found this weather cam at an airport up there and it was pointed at a runway. It was like for pilots to see what the conditions on the runway are. Yeah. But it just happened that like, behind the runway there's this like point break setup and so you could see the whitewash peeling around the point on this weather cam and it was like a live cam that would update once every hour and so i'd keep my eyes on that and post on the blog about it and kind of dream about like wow what if this is actually a good wave yeah and, and years later chris and i did a few trips to the illusions and every time we passed through that area we'd go check that point um and it never looked like a real wave. It was like, oh, this is like an illusion. You know, like you look at a photo and sometimes it doesn't really give you an accurate feel for like what the actual wave is. Like it yeah. looks cool in a photo, but it's not really surfable. Um, and then like two and a half years ago, I was out there for another project with Rourke. We were filming Arc of Volusia. Mm -hmm. And on the last day, we we're on that island and everybody's leaving and our crew is divided into two groups and the first group left on a plane and before our next flight left that I was on a blizzard came in and grounded us for the day and we ended up getting stuck for three and a half days there just mm. completely weathered in and no flights were going and so there's like four of us that got left behind and the rest of the crew it was all gone and we were super bummed because like there's hardly anything on the island and everything's super expensive. There's like not a lot of food available. And so we're just like passing the time in our hotel and trying to find things to do. And uh, on the third day, the weather cleared and everything was like covered in a blanket of snow. And we had three hours to like pack our bags and get on the flight. So we like rushed to the airport, checked in all of our bags, except for surfboards. And we went out to that point to check it. And it was just like a firing right-hand point break. No way. And Parker Coffin and Nate Zoller paddled out and we filmed that session. And it was like such a satisfying moment to see that wave working in just such a beautiful environment and realizing like, yeah. whoa, this is actually a real wave. And this is kind of what started my passion for surfing in these places way back when. So yeah, that was, that was a really special moment. And then we like rushed back to the plane and got on and like flew out right after that. So 
Oh man, that's Incredible. I did. I got like chicken skin hearing that. Like, how how nuts was that for you? Like filming it, were you just like pinching yourself? I was, and I mean, you know, those three days, I was so bummed that we were kind of like ditched on this island and and felt like left behind and trying to get home for Christmas and all that, you know. So yeah, and then it it just like all came together. So I couldn't believe it, you know. And it just goes to show like how fickle and novel some of those waves are but like yeah. if you're in the right place at the right time like those moments do happen so yeah nice oh that's how, awesome how, how bad did you want to paddle out really bad <laughs> <laughs> that's but, a tough you know one, eh? filming for me is like so satisfying too because the moments are so rare just to be able to capture that to me is like just as special too so i love that yeah. nice nice and I know, sure. like we, you know, we over the years we've shown multiple films that you've been um, associated with, whether it was a project that you and Burkhard did together, or uh, some Rourke stuff um, that we've shown. Um, which, by the way, little plug: Rourke's our apparel sponsor for the film festival. So you know, we love those guys. Big shout out to them. But um, a new women's line, John, out there now. Yeah, new women's line for Rourke. Excited about. Yeah, but. But yeah, like during the course of these movies that we've shown that you've worked on, I, I I see it in the reaction from the from the crowd during the film. Um, lots of gasps and oohs and ahs and things like that. And 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 just watching the film myself, it looks as though you guys are getting into some really seriously dangerous situations. And so I just wanted to ask have you ever encountered like a truly dangerous situation where you're like, Oh shit, like we might not get out of this. And like, we've made a horrible mistake. Have you ever had any experiences like that? Um, thankfully, like not too close of a call, but there's definitely been moments where you're aware of what could go wrong. And you realize like what you are putting on the line, um, whether it's like in the illusions, just flying in the small planes, like, um, one time I was in a plane that took off and we we're just shooting aerial photos of some of the islands and checking surf, like a recon mission, essentially. Yeah. And the pilot had forgotten to put the gas cap back on the plane. <laughs> and I was like sitting in the second seat and I looked out the window and there's just a plume of gasoline coming out of the side of the plane. Oh, he like turned it around immediately and landed <laughs> and had to like refill the tank for about 20 minutes. And he's like, delete that video off your phone immediately. <laughs> but I like immediately started filming it. So um, there's stuff like that, or I, I don't know, there's so many stories, you know, you, it's definitely sketch. Um, you try to prepare for it as best you can, but um, you're always taking a risk, you know, you're so far out there. So, yeah. And I'm curious I, doing, doing what I do, you know, working in the medical field as a fireman, do you guys, when you guys go on these trips, do you take, somebody with you that has like medical training or do you have you guys taken it upon yourselves to learn some stuff and do you bring supplies and things like that with you because um, john is available by the way he is available yeah yes i work super cheap but <laughs> yeah i mean we definitely try to prepare ourselves and, and bring some supplies but usually we'll have a local contact wherever we're staying that knows whatever the logistics are for safety and all that so um there's always somebody that we're connecting with locally who's nice there with us and and knows the whole procedures. So yeah, nice. Well, when that guy's not available, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> call, you call me. <laughs> um, I will be your accountant on the road. <laughs> uh, speaking of accountant, dude, uh, we, <laughs> so we have a, a desire. We all uh, speak for general surfers who are average yeah. surfers and a desire to surf some of those waves up there. How accessible is it? Or is it like that time I told my friend, I, I would, I would love to go to Everest base camp, you know, check out the gift shop. You yeah. know, check it, buy a little oh, yeah. souvenir, you know, I'm because I'm so naive about what it takes to do that. Like, uh, what do you what would you recommend for the average surfer to be able to pull off a trip like that? Because I know there is a charter boat uh, or somebody I, I saw a movie. Maybe it was a submission. Um, anyway, I'm just curious what that what that how that looks. Yeah. So, I mean, every place is different, but Iceland, for example, is a really place to a really rad place to go try out cold water surfing or like the adventurous side of that because you have like decent access to the coast there all around the island and um if the waves aren't good there's so many other things you can do you can go hike you can check out glaciers that it's so scenic and so i think the main thing is just not to expect that you're you're going to get good waves and you might not get waves at all and you have to be okay with that and just be able to appreciate and enjoy the environment that you're in. Um, and so just knowing that going into it, I think is the biggest thing because you're going to spend a lot more money trying to get to some of these remote places than you would going to Mexico or Hawaii or wherever. And then to not get waves, it's, it's a much bigger risk, you know? And so you want to make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. So but yeah, my buddy Ingo Olsen runs uh, Arctic surf tours in Iceland. And that's exactly what they do is they take people and they go to spots and he's super knowledgeable and they try to get waves. And then when they're not surfing, they're uh, they're hiking through glaciers and that kind of thing. So um, that's but, cool. then, but like Alaska is way more of a frontier, like you really do have to piece it together and it's a lot harder to access the coast there. And so that one's definitely trickier and more fickle i would say do do they have starbucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man Kevin's I mean, out. <laughs> just like yeah just getting food to some of these places is is a major undertaking like most of those islands that i've been to were packing coolers full of food and like just cardboard boxes with food and loading it on to the planes and the planes have like limited supply for baggage and so you just try to bring as much as you can and then when you get there you're like maybe getting reindeer meat from the locals and that kind of stuff so covered in mold yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah and the sleeping conditions for most of these trips are tent or like little houses or something like that are you four to a room what's that like um i mean every place is different in russia we we're just camping on the beach for two weeks in tents and then in Alaska, um, a lot of what I've done there is connect with local people that can host us in their homes or in like different like pilots accommodations, those kinds of things. Um, or there'll be like a little lodge or guest house or something that you can stay, but there's nothing official that you can book necessarily. So, um, yeah, so just it varies. But I mean, like there's also places where you can go stay in a nice hotel if you're like in certain areas of iceland or whatnot so it just depends nice, nice. makes sense 
Well, again, I mean, thank you, especially for like some of those places in Alaska, like you guys have documented that and brought it to the public, something that is not accessible. And so, you know, if it wasn't for you guys, it probably would remain unseen to this day. And so just from from the surf culture um, as a whole, uh, we just want to say thanks for being willing to go out there and document that stuff and take the risk and um, you know, invest your money and your time and your effort into, you know, getting that stuff on film and, and so that we can see it. Yeah. And thank you guys for creating a platform to share those stories with people and especially in person. That's really special. So yeah, yeah. I'm super thankful. Absolutely. What's, uh, what's next, uh, what's the next project you're working on? That's a good question. I mean, the dream would be to go to Antarctica. Um, that's kind of like a Holy grail, uh, and just further exploration in Alaska as well. There's so much up there. It's, it's crazy. So um, I definitely have a list of places I want to check out. So any of them warm? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, now, when, when, when you go on a personal surf trip, do you go somewhere cold or you go somewhere warm? Um, A little bit of both, but yeah. lately I've been enjoying the warm. Cause I feel like that's more of a rare opportunity and it's a novelty for me to go somewhere warm so just to go somewhere where it's like guaranteed waves and warm water is like the best you know so yeah 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 i just did a trip to nicaragua recently and did the oh, yeah i did the waco pool a couple months ago which was fun so yeah nice where'd you go in nicaragua um thunderbomb okay um, up north yeah to the boom yeah and then did colorado's a couple years before that which was cool yeah uh, so yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Well, hey, one last cold water question for you. So are you wearing, I know this isn't a normal thing, but are dry suits more uh rare than you would think? I mean, what obviously a six five four hooded tape. I mean, you're probably dealing with the highest end wetsuit possible, but does anybody wear dry suits to shoot uh mm -hmm. surf photography? No, I I've never really heard of that. I don't honestly really even know what a dry suit is for. I think that's like if you're doing scuba in really cold places. Yeah, that's kind of basically what but, it is. But the I think the differentiation is that a dry suit is more on the baggy, heavy side of things. And there's not a lot of mobility, whereas a wetsuit exactly. is, is tight. And so uh, most of these places, guys will wear like five fours and six fives. Um and then they'll up the thickness of their booties and gloves for extra warmth, like seven mil boots. Yeah, and absolutely. Those are the the parts that like get cold the fastest is your fingers and toes. Sure, um, sure. But you can get through a lot in a five four. So I'm surprised. Remember when uh, Rip Curl did the heated wetsuit? I know. Isn't I'm that surprised crazy? that like, what hasn't to taken that? off? Yeah. I know. I was just hanging with Josh Mulcoy up in Tofino last week for this film event and we were talking about that and he's like yeah it's weird like it wasn't that great in the water but i would actually just wear that thing around town in the winter to stay warm <laughs> have it on under my jacket <laughs> that's great but i that seems like such low-hanging fruit for a wetsuit company to create something like that i know it's, i don't i, mean, I don't the know technology what the has to economics exist. of that yeah well i it's, remember the rip curl one was a thousand dollars yeah which in the grand scheme of things, I'm like, if you live in a place like Tofino, that's nothing. Yeah. I mean, a, a thousand bucks to, to extend your session by two hours 
and be yeah. comfortable. Like, I think you'd sell a lot of those. I would think. I don't know. And to walk around town. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would just say too that uh, Solite boots just came out with a line of gloves that are uh, phenomenal. From from what my friend tells me, Jamie Meiselman is the founder of Solite boots. And oh, really? Yeah, like Pete Mel was wearing Solite boots when he got that big bomb, the Lifetime bomb. Yeah, Mavericks, and, uh, yeah. So if you're if you're not already tied up brand wise with somebody, go check out their website, and uh, they're moldable as well, so you can put them in boiling water, take them out, let them cool for a minute, and then put your foot in there or your hand in there, and they will mold to your specific foot. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the, all the information's on their website. He has YouTube videos to show you how to put them on and off and, and do the molding and all that stuff. So um, I'm a I'm a fan. I never wear booties almost. But uh, when I do, it, it's they're pretty good. And I, I can't say enough good things about his new line of gloves. So check That's them out. Cool. Yeah, because gloves are really hard to find like a good pair that fits well. Um, just because like it's such a tight space and like to find something that's comfortable and loose enough is is crucial so yeah that's rad yeah check it out it's s-o-l-i-t-e.com so if anybody's looking might be so like boots.com but yeah check it out cool awesome man well thanks so much for joining us ben we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to have a chat with us and uh we're always uh, stoked to have you out to florida to show a film and um just really excited and and proud for you that your uh, that your film Island X won uh, best surf film for the 2022 Florida Surf Film Festival. So congratulations again on that. Way and, to go, bud. Um, yeah, thanks again for having a chat with us. Right on, thanks guys. Yeah, super fun. You got hopefully, it, man. Hopefully, see you guys soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Keep the content coming and let us know when you're in town. Cool. Right on. Oh man, that's great. I could talk to Ben all day. Yeah, that was really nice. I mean, it was just like he was sitting at the table at the festival when we do those, you know, pizza parties and we get to that. This is the whole point of the podcast was just to kind of record some of the great stuff that comes from these guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned it a little bit in the podcast, but one of the real benefits um, for Kevin and I is getting access uh, to these guys and and just getting to sit down and and chat with them over a meal or a drink or something like that and um so yeah part of the idea for this podcast was to document that and so everybody could experience it yeah he's 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 great he's a hard-working guy and uh wonderful to have him on he's kind of the t typical uh surf photographer that just is always planning that next trip uh but uh atypical in the sense that he's going to really remote and uh hard to get to adventuresome sort of destinations that don't involve a guarantee for waves. No, no, not at so all. And it's kind of nice. Not only is there no guarantee for waves, there's almost a guarantee for horrific weather and freezing cold conditions. And yeah, you don't know if you're getting home for Christmas and yeah, yeah. but it's so easy to root for him, you know, I know love having been there. So uh, just a big thanks to him for coming on the podcast. Uh, we've got some really great guests lined up for future um, we, uh, just recorded and, uh, released the, uh, Luke Cederman podcast. So if you missed that one, that was really funny. You should check it out. 
So all in all, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, especially uh, this, this new sponsor for the podcast, which is Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. Um, we have a few other big ones that we want to thank every year, Monster Energy, for presenting and flying in our filmmakers. Yeah, Rourke Apparel, Globe Footwear, Red Dog Surf Shop. Yeah, as mentioned earlier, I think you um, may have heard, but Rourke has a new women's line out for, uh, you know, that outdoor wear market that uh, I'm sure they're going to nail it. Yeah, oh, it's killer stuff. I was looking at it the other day. Oh, you and did? Okay. Yeah, nice. I yeah. haven't looked at it yet. So and their, their new ambassador, Emmy Erickson, uh, we hope to have her on the podcast oh, yeah, coming yeah. up That's soon. Right. Yeah, she just posted something on Instagram. I mean, to, meant to reach out, but um, all right. So it's it's all coming together for 2023. We've got a couple of great movies lined up already for February 4th. Working on a third, and uh, well, gotta say it's been a good 2022. Yeah, this is our last podcast for 2022, by the way. So yeah, uh, and next uh, year we'll be starting air air fist bump yeah next year we'll be starting year 10 of the festival yeah thinking about options for that and uh one of the options was uh to do some kind of a end of year event so we'll be we'll be looking at how that pans out and you know let's celebrate absolutely um in the meantime thanks for listening and i uh, hope you're enjoying the podcast and we'll chat soon are we gonna get a little you from you like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to do it real quick Okay, right. let's see right. it. I'm gonna try to do it. See, because it's you. You always get to do it. <laughs> you ready? All right. You. Two. Was that good? Yeah, that was it. Right, thanks. Bye.